right, so we've brought a bit of Youth Fest to our service, which means we're going to continue along the theme of Youth Fest. Now, if you've been here the past two weeks, you know, oh, sorry, right, the kids. I got excited there. Kids, you can go to class. <laughs> All right, so over the past two weeks, we've been busy with a series here at church called Against the Flow. I'm not doing part three this morning. You can come back for that next week. But I thought it was interesting because the pastor chose to do this series a few weeks ago. We've been planning Youth Fest for a few months now. And we had decided on the theme, we had decided on what we're gonna do. And although he knew more or less what we were doing, he didn't exactly know the details of it. He didn't know the content of the skit. He didn't know the kinds of messages that were gonna be brought. But the two go together. The series and what we did here at Youth Fest go together. So when he decided to do this and do a study on Romans 12, I was a little bit relieved because I'm interrupting the series. I'm interrupting the flow. But I was relieved because I'm not completely off topic. What I'm going to speak about this morning still ties in with going against the flow. So we had three messages this weekend. Different portions of the skit were played each night. And then the messages flowed from that. And as I said, if you missed it, then do yourself a favor and wait for it on our website, look out for it, and go listen to those messages. You will not be sorry. They were challenging, they were inspiring, they were God-given. And just a little side note, all the speakers this weekend are homegrown. They come from this church. So it was a blessing, so please do yourself a favor and go listen to those messages. So as I was saying, there was a story being told through this skit, and our messages emphasized and supported the stories that were being told. All these messages were daring us to do something, and in case you haven't realized yet, the theme for Youth Fest is, I dare you. So everything is daring us to do something, and this morning I basically want to summarize everything that happened this weekend into one message. I want to cover everything and end on one final day. I dare you to be different. Each session spoke about daring to accept God's challenge. And ultimately, all of these days led up to this, being different. If you accept the day, you're accepting to be different. Do you see the connection between Youth Fest and Against the Flow? To be different means to go against the flow. So although this is not part of the series, it still ties in. It's still challenging us to go against the flow. So I want to start this morning by reading from Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, which says, I beseech you there before brethren, uh, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that, present you, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I want to read two more versions of this passage. Just to re-emphasize what it's saying, for us to kind of get it in a different worded way, so that maybe it'll actually sink in what the scripture is saying. So the message version puts it like this. So here's what I want you to do. 
God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embrace what God has done for you. Embracing what God has done for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out, readily recognize what He wants from you, and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best in you, develops well-formed maturity in you. And then the Passion Translation. Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God, to be His sacrifice, living sacrifices, and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights His heart, for this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in His eyes. Now there's a lot we can talk about regarding these two verses, but I want to highlight three things this morning. Do not conform, be transformed, live for Him. Living for Him and not conforming to the ways of the world is a result of transformation. True transformation happens from the inside. Doesn't start out here, it starts in here, in your heart. That inward transformation results in an outward expression, which is not conforming to the culture around us, not conforming to the thinking and behaviors of the world. So once that outward expression begins to happen, it results in us living for Him, our lives align with His will, and what we do, think, or say honors God and not the world, we become different as a result. So when we begin to be transformed from the inside, it's a choice. We choose to accept the process of change. We also choose to act on it. We choose to no longer conform. Once we make that choice, we begin to live it out. We do something about it. We stand up and get out of our comfort zone and we begin to stand out from the crowd as we continue to choose this. We begin to live for Him. We choose to stand out. We choose to face resistance and we choose to face our fear of rejection. We choose to face our fear of being teased, of being judged, of being persecuted. We choose to live fearlessly for Him. We choose to be different. So in other words, when we dare to be different, what we're actually doing is daring to make the choice. We're daring to stand up and we're daring to live fearlessly. Daring to do something means having courage. When we accept the dare, it means we feel courageous enough to finish it, to accomplish it. So God is daring us to do something. Do you feel courageous enough to accept it? Now we don't always feel courageous. We don't always feel accomplished. We don't always feel capable enough. But being courageous to accept God's dare might look a little different to how the world perceives courage. To the world, courage might mean being confident in your abilities, knowing that you are capable. To God, courage looks a little bit different. To God, courage looks like confidence in Him regardless of whether or not you feel capable. 
Courage is trusting him even when you feel weak, incapable, or fearful. So the good news is that if you don't feel courageous enough, that's okay. You can still accept God's day. So God is daring us to be different. And this one big day of being different has little days in it. There's sub-days, stepping stones that help us complete this main day. And as I talk about these sub-days, we're going to look at the life of someone who accomplished this, someone who accepted the dare to be different, someone who dared to go against the flow, even though he was at the front of the crowd leading them in the beginning. He's, he's someone who allowed God to transform him so drastically that he fearlessly stood up and dared to be different. Someone who can teach us that daring to be different, regardless of what your past look, looks like, is possible that you can dare to be different even in the face of persecution, and that daring to be different brings about change. The person I'm talking about is the author of Romans and many other books in the New Testament, Paul. Paul's life is a testament of God's mercy and grace. His story is one of redemption. His life shows us that no one is beyond saving, and through him, God shows us that he can enable anyone who comes to him with a willing and teachable heart. So Paul's story, we read about his transformation in Acts chapter nine. When we meet him, he wasn't a nice guy. He was filled with hatred in his heart for Christians. He was one of the guys that was leading the movement of persecuting Christians. So we're gonna read from verse one and two, and just so you don't get confused, Saul, Paul, same guy. Okay, so verse one. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogue of Damascus, so that he found anyone who were of the way, so Christians, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So Paul got his letters. He's now on this mission to hunt down Christians. He's going to capture them. He's going to take them captive and persecute them, whatever the case is. He's out to get them. So he gets his letters and he goes to Damascus and as he was traveling, the Lord decides to interrupt him. The Lord decides to give him an opportunity to turn his life around. In verse three, it says, as he journeyed, he came near Damascus and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. So he trembled and astonished, said, Lord, what do, you want from, what, what do you want me to do? And the Lord said to him, arise and go to the city and you'll be told to do. So Paul got up, but as he opened his eyes, he couldn't see. At this point, we're probably questioning why the Lord took his vision away. I mean, isn't he known for restoring vision, not taking it away? So Paul is now blind. But God has his reasons for why he does certain things. So for three days, Paul didn't eat or drink anything. And I think he took this time to reflect on his life, to reflect on his choices, to reflect on what he was doing. He spent this time praying. If anything, I think Paul began to see more clearly without his eyesight. And that allowed the process of transformation to begin from within. In the meantime, God spoke to a disciple named Ananias living in Damascus, and he tells him where to find Paul, and that he must go and pray for him and restore his sight. 
but Ananias was hesitant because he had heard of Paul. Paul had a reputation. He knew what he had done and he knew why Paul had come to Damascus. So it left people feeling fear when they heard Paul's name. But God told Ananias, go. He had a plan for Paul's life. So Ananias obeyed and did what God instructed. In verse 17, we read that laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales and he could see again. Now here's the important thing I want to point out is that Paul had this encounter. He lost his sight. He now has a need. What do we do when we're in need? God help me. He does what the Lord instructed him to do. He turned to him. That's what we do when we're in need, when we're in trouble. When things are going south, we turn to God. We suddenly start obeying his word. We suddenly start spending more time with him. But as soon as things are good again, what do we do? Cheers, Lord. Till next time. You're gone. We don't see you for the next few months. You don't open your Bible. It's sitting there collecting dust. Praying is maybe just something you do before bed and you fall asleep halfway. We turn to him when we need him. But then as soon as that need is met, we kind of forget about him or we just put him in the back seat. He's like a backup plan. So when Paul got his eyesight back, he could have gone back to his original agenda. He could have turned on Ananias and said, okay, come, and took him away. There wasn't anything that was forcing Paul to continue obeying the Lord, to continue seeking him, to continue listening to him. He wasn't in need anymore, but that's not what happened. In verse 18, we see that he arose and was baptized. So when he had received food and was strengthened, then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Instead of returning to his old ways, continuing his persecution of Christians, Paul chose to accept Christ, to be baptized and learn more about him. So that leads me to my first point, that Paul dared to make the choice. The choice which would change his life forever. The choice which would cause him to change his ways. The choice which began a process of transformation. The choice that set him on the path of difference. Now after spending some time with the disciples, spending time in the word, he became equipped and enabled to do something about it. In verse 20, it says, Immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. Then all who heard were amazed and said, Is this not he who destroyed those who called on this name in Jerusalem and has come here for the purpose so that he might bring them bound to the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwell in Damascus, proving that Jesus is the Christ. Second point. Paul dared to stand up. The choice he made led him to change, and the change caused him to stand out from the crowd. The man known for his anger and hatred, known for persecuting Christians, was now standing up and preaching the word of God, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. Paul stood out from the crowd and people noticed. Paul could have kept quiet in his decision, knowing that he has a reputation, he could have just decided to blend into the background. He's made the choice. It's between him and God, and he could have just kept quiet about it. Secret Christian. 
but that's not what he chose to do. He stood up and made his choice known. He dared to stand up and people saw a different man because of it. Paul's choice and the resulting changes didn't make his life any easier. In fact, he was now on the receiving end of persecution. If Paul's transformation was not genuine, we wouldn't be talking about him today. But because his transformation started from within, it's a transformation that stuck. And Paul accepted the day every day of his life. So not only did Paul dare to make the choice and dare to stand up, but Paul dared to live fearlessly. This doesn't mean that Paul didn't experience fear, but it means that he continued to live for God and speak his word even if he felt fear. Paul had his fair share to experience fear. Situations that could have left him crippled by fear. So fearlessness does not mean the absence of fear entirely. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 to 27, we get a glimpse of the situations that Paul found himself in. Situations that I'm pretty sure he felt fear. Because if you don't feel fear in those moments, I don't know, there's something wrong with you. So he had his fair share of fear-filled moments. He gives an account. Taken more beatings and been dragged to more prisons than any. I've been flogged excessively multiple times, even to the point of death. Five times I've received 39 lashes from the Jewish leaders. Three times I experienced being beaten with rods. Once they stoned me. Three times I've been shipwrecked. For an entire night and a day I was adrift in the open sea. In my difficult travels, I faced many dangerous situations, perilous rivers, robbers, foreigners, and even my own people. I've survived de deadly peril in the city, in the wilderness, the storms at sea, and with spies posing as believers. I've toiled to the point of exhaustion and gone through many sleepless nights. I've frequently been deprived of food and water, left hungry and shivering, out in the cold, lacking proper clothing. That doesn't sound so nice, does it? In those moments when things got difficult, when Paul faced persecution, when he was arrested, when he faced suffering, when people wanted to kill him, he didn't waver. I would have understood if he had kind of taken a step back, if he had decided, you know what, this is too much, I can't continue anymore. I would have understood that because it's tough. What he went through here sounds horrible. And we're worried about what people are gonna think. We're so concerned about what the person sitting next to us is gonna think if we lift our hands during worship, if we sing out of tune, if we pray out loud and someone hears us. We're so worried about what our friends are gonna think of us at school if we say we're going to church on a Friday night rather than going to a party. We're so worried what our friends are gonna think of us if we say, I'm a Christian, so I can't really do all that stuff you're doing. I don't wanna be a part of that. We're so worried about what people are gonna think when we go against the flow. I'm sorry, none of that is in comparison to what Paul went through. And if Paul could do it, what's your excuse? When we talk about living fearlessly, it doesn't mean that we're gonna be completely free of fear. It means we're not gonna hold on to it. Paul felt the fear, but he held on to God instead. 
He let go of his feelings of fear and held on to the hope and the peace that he found in Christ. And that gave him the courage to keep on going regardless of his situation, regardless of the struggles that he faced. Paul traded his fear for God's peace. He traded his fear for the boldness found in Christ. And because Paul's source of courage was God and not himself, he was able to continue to live fearlessly. He was able to accept the dare. Paul's source was not himself. He was not courageous in his abilities. He was courageous in God's abilities in him. Paul dared to make the choice. He dared to stand up and he dared to live fearlessly. He dared to be different. And Paul's choice, which led him to becoming a different person, not only led to a change in his life, but resulted in him being able to change the lives of many. He dared to be different, and as a result, he made a difference. And you and I are called to do the same. Paul was just the guy, a bad guy, and God used him. We're just people, but if we're willing, God can use us to make a difference. God is placing that challenge before us this morning. He's standing in front of you now saying, I dare you to be different to live a life of difference, to stand out and go against the flow. We've been called for so much more than what this world has to offer us. But are you willing to accept it? Are you willing to be transformed? Are you willing to stop conforming to the culture around you? Are you willing to live for Him? So basically what I'm saying is, will you dare to make the choice? Will you dare to stand up? Will you dare to live fearlessly? Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. These two verses are daring us to be different. Be transformed, that's the choice you have to make. So dare to make the choice. Stop conforming, that means stand up. You're not gonna look like everybody else. You're not gonna blend in with the crowd. Stand up. And then living for him means choosing and daring to be fearless. Dare to make the choice. Dare to stand up. Dare to live fearlessly. I dare you to be different. Do you accept it? Short and sweet, but to the point I hope. Dare to make the choice. Dare to stand up. Dare to live fearlessly. Dare to be different. Stop caring what the people around you think. Stop caring about what the world says. Your main concern should be what God says. What He thinks about you. That's what matters. So dare to be different. Do you accept it this morning? Amen. If you accept it, let's stand up and close in prayer. We've been dead a lot this weekend, and I pray that it's not just something that you heard, 
but something that you accept, something that you do something about. Because as I've said, it doesn't make a difference if you're just hearing this. You have to apply it, you have to do something about it. So you've heard a lot, now it's on you to do something. So Father, we just wanna thank you for this incredible weekend that we got to spend in your presence, that we were able to fellowship with one another, that we were able to be encouraged and challenged by your word. So Father, I pray that we will accept this day, that we're not gonna rely on our own courage, on our own abilities and what we think we're capable of, but that we're gonna trust in you, trust in your abilities through us, trust in you that you can bring change through us if we are just willing to surrender to your process. Transform us from the inside out, Lord, and I pray that we'll make that choice to go through the process, no matter how difficult it gets. I pray that we'll accept that day, that we'll make the choice, that we'll stand up boldly, and that we'll live fearlessly, that we'll choose to trade our fear for your peace, that we'll hold on to you instead of holding on to our fear, that we'll trust in you and know that even when it gets difficult, you're standing right there. You're always with us, you never leave us. You enable us, you empower us, and you equip those that you have chosen to make a difference. And you have chosen us. So Father, help us to see what you see. Help us to trust you. And help us to do what you have called us to do. Help us to be different and to make a difference. So we just want to give you all honor and praise this morning, Lord. We want to thank you for everything that you are doing and everything that you're still going to do. I thank you for the testimonies that are going to come out of this weekend and the testimonies that are to come from the the fruits of the changes we're making in our lives, Lord. Even though we may not be aware of everything that is going to happen, we may not be aware of the differences that we make, but I pray, Father, that we're not going to stop trying to make a difference. Help us in our small acts of kindness to make an impact in the lives of those around us. So Father, I pray that you'll take us home safely, that you'll be with us during this week, that you're gonna give us opportunities to make a difference, that you're gonna give us opportunities to stand up in our areas of influence, Lord, that we're not gonna be ashamed to say that we are your children. Bless us and keep us, Lord. Guide our steps every day and give us the courage to boldly stand up for you. Give us the courage to be different. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.